Hello, and thank you for listening to the I Brew My Own Coffee podcast, where the podcast for people who care about coffee. I'm Brian Bikey. Joining me, as always, my co-host, the purveyor of patterns and sole owner of the sete, Brian Sheely. <laughs> I've seen other people out there with them uh, posting photos as well, but uh, yeah, I guess I'm one of the few in the proud at this point. Yeah, there are, there are a couple out, but um, yeah, it's pretty pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, well, we're teasing just a little bit here. Uh, we are hopefully going to have the folks from Baratza on the show uh, in the next couple weeks and hopefully get a more in-depth uh, discussion about the whole settee grinder and what it's all about. Um, definitely a lot of folks out there seem pretty excited about it, so... Uh, for good reason. Hopefully, we can have them on the show and uh, and have a interesting chat. So stay tuned for that, as we hope you always do. Yeah, of course. So we uh, start off the show. We're gonna do it the same way that we always do with what you been brewing. Counterculture coffee is not a uh, not a roaster that I'm unfamiliar with, but I've not really had a whole lot from them. I mean, I've probably had maybe a, a half dozen coffees from them so far. And uh, this coffee that I've been enjoying, we actually brewed it up in the office this morning for for my coworkers. Was the Papua New Guinea Boca? Um, I heard. Ooh, yeah, I want that one. Yeah, I heard a lot of people talking about it. I was really interested in it, and I think there was um, a lot of folks out there, probably listeners who who got a chance to try it as well. It's still available on their site, which is awesome. Um, but it is a coffee from Papua New Guinea. Now, I don't know about you, I. Some Papua New Guinean coffees uh, don't necessarily excite me all that much, or they are, they're kind of a mixed bag. Uh, you know, some of them might tend to be fairly earthy. Uh, some of them might not, you know, read very well with a whole lot of sweetness or florality. But this coffee is just it's packed with that pear kind of acidity. It's got a, a whole lot of sweetness and uh, has a little bit of a of a savory note to it that earthiness kind of but is is really sweet vanilla uh, we brewed it up on the chemex at work and a lot of folks really enjoyed it even those folks who who really enjoy like chocolatey and nutty types of coffees tended to gravitate toward it i think it's that pear that that pear note that people kind of grab onto as being special um, so definitely dig it how about you what are you brewing so i got a coffee in from perk coffee it's their tanzania uh, what is it tarime yeah, yeah. What, what do you, is that what you call it? I, yeah, I've always called it Tarime. And um, so that's what I have in right now. You know, I don't, I don't know what your experience is with Tanzanian coffees. <clears throat> Mine's very limited, but uh, never, again, not a coffee that ever really just super got me excited. Mm-hmm. And I also recently had one from Steadfast, and I had one from Populous, I believe. And you know it still has they they've had some uh, characteristics. Not that they're bad. They they've had some characteristics that are a little bit more rustic and whatnot to them. But this one from Perk is crazy sweet. Hmm. So it just I, I opened the the bag and already it was it was kind of sweet little maybe kind of berry. Um, I was like, well, that's kind of cool. So I was excited to grind it up. I was grinding it up, started brewing it up. I'm like, hmm. This is guys, this is nice. <laughs> and then when I when I was diving in the cup, actually the first time I brewed it up, I, I did not brew it up right. Um, I brewed a Kalita. I I ground differently than I normally do, and it wasn't a great extraction or anything of the cup. So 
I kind of just, I drank that, but I just kind of disregarded it. This was the other day. Brewed it up again today, and it was so crazy clean. And I mean, it had this like, uh, you could probably say wild. So it was kind of this bursting, uh, kind of a little bit of tart melon, but it also had, uh, what do I want to say? Uh, really juicy. It kind of reminded me of cranberry and date sweetness, you know, that just kind of uh, is tingly, but fills the mouth a little bit and just thick and electrifying is kind of something that that kind of stuck in my mind with it just on the palate. And then it had a lot of floral, especially as it opened, lots of floral going on. And, it, and then they finished, I, again, I, I would say it's kind of wild, but um, there's just so much flavor to it for a Tanzanian coffee, like just really crazy. What was the brew method that you that you wound up on? A V60. V60. Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah, I I haven't had a whole lot of uh, Tanzanian as well, but the the one that sticks out in my mind was the one that I had from Spotted Cow, probably almost a year ago, maybe now. It's been a while, uh, but that one was crazy good. So this one sounds like it has some of the similar characteristics that I remember from that one. Right. Speaking of actually your issues brewing it up the very first time, um, I think that's what we're going to talk about on this episode. We get a lot of discussion, a lot of people writing in kind of asking us, like, what's our process in terms of, you know, getting into coffee for the very first time? What do we do with a coffee? And a lot of people use the term dialing in. Uh, how do we dial in a coffee? What, what do you think people mean by that in general? Uh, what, what, all, what all is involved in dialing in a coffee? I think at, at the heart of what someone's probably looking for is there's something a little off with their brew. So maybe it's a little sharp or a little dull, or a little too heavy, or just tastes, you know, we've talked about papery tastes a little bit too, and we can kind of talk a little bit more about what that is, but maybe there's something off about the coffee, and they're just trying to, if they're in the ballpark, maybe just refine that to get it more, so imagine, so we'll go back to Brian's pictures that he's putting in your head, <laughs> and imagine a Target, right? Yeah. Not Target the store. I guess you could. Their logo is yeah, almost the it's, same. but It's pretty close. So you just, you know, just imagine a target and you're just trying to bring it closer to center. A lot of people's targets, and I might be wrong, but I think the bar or the standard for people's expectations of a coffee usually come from the descriptions on the bag, wouldn't you say? Or, or maybe even like things that friends have recommended to them as, as reasons why they might like a coffee flavors that they, that they found or, you know, an experience that they had. And for anyone who didn't listen to our episode with Seth Mills, when we were talking about describing coffee, right. go back and listen to that. Cause that kind of is, is similar, right? So if, if somebody is doing a poor job of describing it to you or they're setting unrealistic expectations for these random tasting notes, then you're going to probably feel like an idiot or you're going to feel like you're not doing something right. Right. How do you know what the potential of a coffee is? Like, how do you know that you've given a coffee its fair shake before you've decided that you either really enjoyed it or you didn't enjoy it? Or, you know, maybe it was just you, maybe you brewed it wrong. You know, there's all these kind of questions that come up when you start brewing a coffee. And so Brian and I, we're not really going to, on this episode, talk about what the right way or the correct way of, of dialing in a coffee or evaluating a coffee we're just going to talk about what we do, um, you know, whether that's right or wrong, you know, whether that's the what a lot of professionals would do as well. You know, this is just kind of the the things that we do when we first get in a coffee to figure out what it's all about and to kind of 
kind of sum it all up. So before we even get into it, you know, it'll we'll open it up at the end too. We'd love to hear, you know, from you too. You know, be thinking about this during this episode if these are things that are similar to your process or not. And you know, we'd love to hear through email, social, anything like that sure. about your process digging into a coffee too. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I know a lot of times I see online and in coffee shops and everything else, they do this a lot. Roasters will do this. Um, are you a big fan of cupping at home? Do you do you cup very frequently? You know, I didn't used to only because, and th- this might be a lot of people, maybe not, but my my biggest reserve in cupping at home was that I didn't feel like I had the gear, quote unquote, right to do it. Or I didn't know the quote unquote, right way to do it okay and so you know i have these little five ounce size glass cups gibraltar size if you want to call them that from ikea and you know some people would might say those are too small or or not and i I had done some cupping in that and whether it's accurate or not i don't know but when i got some of the acme cupping bowls yeah and they have you can get cupping bowls just cheap and um i found something that i thought worked for me you know, when I, when I figured out it, it hit some coffees about the profile. And so I've just stuck with that amount of coffee and water, but going back to your original question, um, I don't always, because I, I thought I was doing it wrong. Um, but I do like doing it if only to, uh, get a, a quick way to dig into either multiple coffees. If I have, you know, several coffees in, or to, let's say, compare if I had a couple of coffees from Tanzania from several roasters and I wanted to try those or several different types of Colombia. You were talking last podcast about all the great uh, Colombian coffees that are in. You know, maybe you want to compare, you know, a uh, couple of different micro lots or something like that. Yeah. So aside from it being cool, which it is, um, I, I think something that you would probably talk about, so I'll, I'll let you talk about it, is what you notice about maybe how the coffee is sitting on the top or the density of the coffee or something? Yeah, I mean I don't I don't necessarily cup that frequently. So I'm I'm not a uh you know, if I get in a coffee for the very first time, I usually don't cup it at all. I, like you said though, in the in the cases where I've got a few different coffees in maybe from one particular roaster that I'm not super familiar with, maybe I'll cup those all together over the weekend or something. Um but yeah, when you when you kind of get into the flavor of coffee as it's as it's cupped i it feels very different to me i mean obviously it's full immersion and obviously you're not filtering it out so it feels very different to me than the experience that you would get if you were just brewing it like on a chemex or a v60 or something like that and so i mean obviously it should be since it it's quite a different brew method than all the rest right um but i don't i don't know maybe it's just me i, I don't usually enjoy the experience or the 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 results of a cupping very much. I mean, as an evaluation tool, I think it's great. Um, I don't do it very frequently, as as we've kind of talked about. But I mean, it, it certainly isn't like my preferred brew method at all. And so right. I usually I usually don't get into it very often. There was a time that I that I played around with like filtered cuppings, where I would actually just take the cup and pour it through a, v, a rinsed V sixty filter. Um, right, I do think those taste pretty good. Yeah, too. I mean those were to drink that. those can be pretty great, but you know, again, I don't I don't do that all the time. So it's for me, my favorite way of evaluating a coffee is, is probably similar to yours. You know, I've got sort of a baseline V sixty recipe, um, 
that I, I like to use. It's easy, and it's the V60 01 recipe that I think we talked about on the last episode. I'll just you know grab a, a little 12.5 gram sample of a coffee and run it through that, and that's usually a good indicator of, of how the coffee is going to perform or how it's tasting, and I can, I can get some pretty reliable results using that uh, recipe. But I don't know, do you, do you usually have like a standard recipe that you kind of would go to if you wanted to kind of level the playing field between coffees? Yeah, and, and before I get into that, I do want to backtrack just quickly and say that there's there's nothing wrong with cupping, obviously. Just you and I are talking from a home brewer standpoint. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, th- there is great benefit that can come from that. But for us, we're 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 drinking product that has already been through you know, it's procedures to find its roast level. And this is retail product now. Yeah. And so, you know, unless you're just trying to compare, you know, you and I would just brew. Oh, and yeah. That's why we're, you know, so yeah, I, I have, and I, and they were the recipes I think I talked about last time. The Kalita. Uh, yeah. But to be honest, I think my border setting, it was, I think a 24 gram of coffee and 400 gram water V60. I think that's changed a little bit. And then I talked a little bit too about Charles from poor Cleveland and some parameters with him. Now my, my baseline brew is, is still on a V60 and it's 21 grams of coffee and 350 grams of water. And I, I really like the way that tastes. And I tell you why I use the V60. So I don't want to necessarily advocate, Oh, you know, you get all these great brews and all these different devices. You need all these different ways to brew it. But, um, just in my my personal experience with brewers, I found the V60 to be a good device to use to find a baseline in a coffee. So it's not too bright. Like um, sometimes my small batch that I brew on the Kalita is really clean. It has a lot of highs. And then the Chemex, you know, it can brew a coffee that's uh, has maybe a little less body and more highs in there. The V60, the, the filters are thin enough to, you know, get a good amount of body. Um, not as much as you would in an immersion brewer, but it's just all around. I think when you have a recipe that is repeatable and consistent, right. which I, I think this one is for me, and this is in the V60 O2, then it's it's good to use as a baseline. My extraction is typically consistent from cup to cup. So, you know, as a recommendation to give to people, I, I always like to tell people, you know, find find something that you like the taste of and remember what you did. And then, you know, we talked about it on the last episode about pour over, you know, if you, if you're able to write all this stuff down and go back and repeat it and do it over again with another coffee, you know, then you can kind of start to compare each cup to each other. And you know, necessarily that you're not doing something wrong or, or incorrect that it might actually be the coffee. Now, you know, we, we have the benefit, I guess, or whatever, we're big, huge nerds. And we have these refractometers and that's obviously not going to be something that anybody needs to have when they're trying to figure out whether they like a coffee or not but the the benefit that that gives to us at least in a very small way is to say you know the strength of this coffee is is within a range and the extraction of this coffee uh, is within a range and if that range you know matches up with what you'd expect to get then you kind of know that you've given a coffee its fair shake and didn't under extract or over extract it. But, you know, again, I don't, I don't usually pull out my refractometer all the time because I know my recipe tastes good across the board. And so that's, that's really, you know, if you find a recipe that you like, 
do it on all the coffees that you get in pretty consistently. And then hopefully you'll be able to see uh, more about the characteristics of that coffee. Right. One thing I think having the refractometer helped was just to see a little bit of what under extraction could taste like and what over extraction could taste like right. when, when just brewing things around. But I, I'll go ahead and mention this, an example that somebody could try to do. So whatever your borderline recipe is, okay, let's, I might advocate changing a few parameters uh, from your normal recipe and do a couple brews side by side. So I, you know, if you, let's say did 21 and 350, do that brew. You could do a brew that's uh, 21 and 400. You could do a brew that's 21 and 300. Right. And then taste the differences in all those cups. And sometimes doing extremes like that will allow you to, you know, better see, oh, this one actually, and you put a little bit more water through it. it maybe my cup was a little under extracted. Right. And uh, by putting a little bit more water through and giving a little, a little bit more contact time, coffee and water, it actually increased, you know, my enjoyment of the cup or maybe the other way. Maybe, maybe you're not noticing that you have some over extracted notes, maybe some darker stuff to the, to the coffee. It's not as clear, as clean as it could be. And you've used a little bit less water. You're like, Oh, I see. Maybe I've been using a little too much water. Yeah. And you're talking about changing, changing up the the ratio, right? And you could also do the same kind of experiment uh, with your grinder as well, you could you could you know find the grind setting on your grinder that that you enjoy, um, you know, or, or if you haven't found the grind setting on your grinder that you enjoy, you could try multiple different grind settings to figure out okay, this is the cup that actually tastes the best, you know, or if you're following a recipe that that lists out the time that a brew should be done in, you know, this is the grind setting that gets me closest to that range of time. But yeah, you could change up the grind settings in between each brew and, and try those back to back like that as well. That'd be an interesting way to get to know your grinder. Right. And I know I feel like a lot of times when I was reading or at least the general assumptions that I would come to when trying to dial things in would be, you know, adjusting a grind, adjusting a ratio, changing your brewer. There are a lot of things that that people will do. But you know what? In I know we we've mentioned before that we'd come back around to this episode and we haven't, but still, I think one of the biggest things that people might not realize is that a lot of <laughs> problems they might come across in their coffee or a lot of changes that might happen in a coffee. Hey, wait, I had it at this coffee shop. It tasted like this. I did exactly the same thing. Right. Or my buddy had this coffee and I did exactly the same thing. And the water can make such a huge difference. Right. So, I mean, that could be another experiment that you do, right? You could you could get a, a, a variety of different waters and you could use each of them on the same exact coffee, same parameters, all of that. Just try three different or a few different waters. That could that could also be eye-opening. I mean, we're talking about dialing in a coffee here. So these are kind of just experiments that you could do. But in general, you know, you get a coffee in, there are a lot of factors that can contribute to a cup not really landing within the parameters that you'd expect it to. I think for me, one of the biggest parameters that that seems to impact, you know, whether or not I'd have to change stuff up on my grind setting or my ratio or whatever is roast level. Like I find I find the roast level of coffee to be very, you know, significantly different from roaster to roaster and, you know, you'll find very different results in the cup using all the same exact grind setting 
recipes, everything else, um, just because the coffee itself is more or less soluble. Right. Let's take it from ordering a bag of coffee. Yeah. Let's do that. So we actually kind of got into some suggestions. And I actually don't think they were suggestions as much as like with the water. That's just something I've been through. So let we'll back up a little bit and let's just take it from ordering a bag of coffee right. and then and what we do. So um, when you're talking roast level, a lot of times if you if you've been shopping around, you know, I, I think you and I both while we have enjoyed shopping around and we like to check out a new roaster, we also have some that we just kind of stick with and we like to try what they put out. Right. Lately for me, it's been spy house and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times, I mean, steadfast also, yep. you know, some of these roasters that you are a little bit familiar with what they put out and if it resonates with you as a, as a drinker. So from that instance, you might be shopping because you're familiar with their product and regard that that might even be regardless of roast level. Sure. That's just kind of, you know, I what the product they put out, it aligns with the coffee I like to drink. So I'm going to order a coffee. So you order a coffee, coffee arrives. Where do you go as soon as you, like when you get a coffee come in after you take your pictures? <laughs> so what do you what's your normal first step, you know, once you once you get into a bag? Yeah, you know, honestly, uh, my my normal first step is to brew a V6001 and just see how it lands. Um, that doesn't always happen. You know, sometimes I'll jump right into brewing it in a certain device, whatever device I haven't played with very frequently. I don't usually, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm different here. I, I don't know if you do this as well, but I don't actually match up a brewer necessarily to what I would expect a flavor of a coffee to be. Um, I kind of just choose my brewers as, you know, well, I haven't used a, you know, a Kalita wave in a little while. So I'm going to brew on that. And that's kind of how I choose what, what which brewer I'm going to use. Um, but if I don't go with the V60 one kind of that standard baseline recipe that I always use, I just pick a brewer and use whatever recipe that I found to work best the last time. What about you? How do you, what, what's your first step? Do you do anything standard every time or do you? To be honest, I, whenever I get into it, I might do a little visual look at the beans. You know, I kind of look to see what color they are. Well, obviously I don't, there's I don't, that, right? <laughs> well, I don't look, I don't look too in depth, but that's, but at the same time, I don't do too in depth because you know, there are some people who, some people will bite into the bean. Oh yeah. Or, yeah. or some people will break it open, you know, just to look at the internal, give it a you know, consistency of the roast. But you know, I just, that's not a me thing. And maybe it's just because, you know, I, I currently don't work in coffee. Right. So it's not, it's not a step that I just, I choose to take in, but you know, in the same way, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up, or uh, whatever brewer I'm going to brew. But you know what's what's kind of funny is if I don't brew on what I mentioned as the v, my V60 recipe, if I don't do that one first and something's a little off, I'm always like, it's probably off because I didn't do my border line setting and I didn't see if something was off about it. I'll do the same thing. I'll always go back to to the V60 one if I missed it, um, if something didn't really resonate very well. And, uh, and that's just kind of your check, right? That's just your like, this should... This should bring it in, and if there's something off on that, then then you start looking into some other things. Right. Now, it, what's interesting about the comment that you made, it's it's not really important right here, but you mentioned not having a, a brewer for a specific profile, and I think I think at a point I did. Okay. I think for you know cleaner coffees, even you know when we had the Juan Pena in or the the Suki Kudo or something like that. For those, I was like, you know, this will probably taste really nice in a Chemex, but 
ever since we started playing around with uh, AeroPress more, and I've been getting results in the AeroPress that were unlike other brews that I'd had in the AeroPress, you know, that that used to be something that I wouldn't want to put like a washed Ethiopian in. I wouldn't put really clean coffees in because I always thought that they would come out a little lifeless. Right. You know, I would do, oh, a, a heavier coffee or a more chocolatey coffee or a more rounded coffee, you know, would go in those. And that's all changed now. Yeah. So, yes, I'm I'm a little less, it's a little less important to what brewer I'm picking up. So, yeah, I will, I will do a little quick look at the beans. I will do a, a brew. And sometimes, actually, I've been doing a smaller brew like like you have in the one, and I'll just do a Cantan mm. brew, and I'll just use like ten grams yeah. uh, of coffee just to you know get a quick a quick taste of that. But uh, my my issue that I ran into with doing a small brew for a check, I used to do my V sixties as a fourteen gram to two twenty seven because it it will brew and go right into like an eight ounce size cup. Yeah. But um, sometimes I I I started to run into more often than not. A little, um, I don't want to say it was underdeveloped tasting, but it just seemed a little, a little papery. It seemed a little, like maybe it needed more time, more coffee, more contact time. Right. And I was just assuming, and again, this was in the O2 though. I just figured maybe I'm using an inappropriate batch size and it's a little too small to be getting my borderline testing. That's when I had to bump it up a little. Okay, so you you got your borderline. Let's just say you've picked your your regular V60 recipe that you always use uh, or you're going back to it because something was weird. Um and the coffee is tasting not quite how you think it should taste or or not quite meeting up with the expectations that the bag gives or that a friend gave you or whatever. What do you do? What's your first what's your first step to try to get get it back in line or give it a fair shake? Well, at to, to be honest, if I haven't checked it already, I usually look and see what the roast date is and how far off of that date I'm roasting. Big deal. Yeah. And, and then again, think about who who the roaster is. Now, this is I actually would love to hear more people chime in about this because when I had done when I had done some reading on either homebarista.com or coffee geek forums or something, there are people who, you know, they want a coffee consumed with within four days off roast. Wow. And like that, they're, you know, for optimum flavors or whatever. And I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's because a lot of the coffees I get, I order online. And maybe there's something that happens that, that I lose in that window. Uh, it's very rare that I get a coffee that is not air shipped that I would have that early. You know, there uh, maybe uh, I've had novel coffee that early. But um, me personally, I've always had a problem getting into a coffee from three days out and closer to the roast date. So one, two and three days off roast. Uh, I've generally had not, not so great results in the cup. Four days is iffy. So my, my personal is if, if I got in check to see if I got into it too soon, Um, would you find it to be a little flat? Yeah. It just, it seems like it's, it's, it does seem a little flat. It seems like there is potential that's not tapped into yet. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of my been my experience with coffees that I've gotten into too early, which is a weird thing, right? I mean, you, you, you'd think like right out of the roaster, a coffee would be at its peak freshness and that it'd be the most flavorful right out of that. But I mean, with all of the, the CO2 that's continually being outgassed from the coffee as it kind of rests... Um, it is going through a resting phase for a few days after it's been roasted. Um, and we can throw a link in the show notes to a, a really good article 
about coffee freshness, but I mean, it, it, it is interesting that getting into a coffee too soon is a problem, um, for, for getting the most potential out of a, out of a coffee, which just seems strange if you're not used to that idea. But it, what's crazy about that is, so if I, if I were to jump into a, and I've done this before, and I tell you what coffees I've done this before more often than others, is like a geisha. Sure. So I might get a geisha in, and it's already, usually geishas are in a smaller sample, maybe eight ounces, maybe six, maybe four. And I'll do a brew at four days because I'm real excited about it. And <laughs> part, of, part of what's on my mind is that if, if its potential starts early on, yeah, you if, don't, you like don't some people it. say, you don't, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to wait till five, six days and be like, oh man, it's, it's tasting on its way out. Right. So it's always a toss up. But if, if I were to start my brew on day four and then it tastes a little off and then decide to change my grind or change, um, my water or change my ratio, then I might be chasing something that's just not ready to be brewed yet. The problem, to be honest, and I don't know that I could even have an answer for all this, is I really don't know what the what the right thing is in all situations because it might not be. Right. But that's kind of the neat part about being a home brewer, right, is a lot of us usually like to tinker. So that chase is sometimes interesting, is equally as frustrating. But, um, yeah, I'm not – I'm not too sure what what the best answer always is. But yeah, so I always would uh, check the roast date, you know, if there's something that's a little off as my first step. What about you? If a coffee isn't landing super well for me right off the bat, um, I will probably tweak with my grind settings a little bit. That'll that'll probably be the one thing that I would start with before anything else because I usually don't change up my ratio. Um, you know, I, I have a, a, a ratio I enjoy and changing one variable at a time usually for me is the most, it's the way to make the most sense out of it, I guess. So I'll change my grind setting probably first um, if I haven't, if if everything else kind of looks right. Yeah, and, and just, again, this is not to encourage, say, hey, you should get a refractometer. This is just something that I've learned from it is that I've kind of learned the differences that my grinders micro and macro settings do. Oh yeah. So I have the Barazza Vario and and it has the steel burrs and so usually I the number will stay the same and then I'll change the letters. But I know if I know that if I'm really close and let's say so my my V60 I'm generally generally grinding on a 4F. And I know if I need just a it's running a little fast on time. It's it's almost there taste-wise. There's just something a little off, then I might I might push it down to you know, K, 4K. If it was running really long, sometimes if a, you know, I'll brew a coffee I get in from Cafe Box or sometimes a coffee will just, uh, it just is roasted a little lighter. And I think sometimes those coffees take a little longer for the water to to brew through. And, but I, but ideally I want a certain contact time. So if I have a brew that I typically, you know, the 21, 350 let's say i generally get that in two minutes 45 seconds if it's running three minutes 315 well then maybe i'll change that from a 4f down to a 4r okay. and that's a little bit it's a bigger of a change and that'll allow me to kind of feel out that difference and say okay was that was that for the better or for the worse and a change that i actually didn't do that so much again until talking with charles at at poor is uh, sometimes that uh, he would mention doing changes just based on dose right so 
And to me, it just seemed like such a big difference. Like, no, no, no. Wouldn't you do like a little micro change? And this actually, maybe it's not as big of a change, but if at 21, you know, he wanted a little bit more, um, a little heavier of a coffee, wanted to be a little bit more intense, they'd just updose it, you know, 21 and a half, 22, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, maybe they'll drop it down to 20 and a half grams or something. So just, you know, changing something like that might just quickly let you see if there's something you like more or less about the profile. Yeah, and, and I think there's a lot of, of ways that, you know, as a home brewer, especially, and obviously as a, as a coffee professional, for those who are listening, clearly, you know, you got to know your gear, your, your equipment pretty well to know, you know, what those macro and micro adjustments will do, what the, what the typical settings are for kind of your, your range that you're looking for. Um, so getting to know your equipment is really good. And if you've got, if you've got a blade grinder, there's really no way to be able to, to get back to any setting repeatedly. Um, if you have a burr grinder, hopefully, even some of like the handheld burr grinders that, you know, have clicks or, you know, not very clear designations as to what the actual setting is, that may make it harder for you to actually dial in a coffee or repeatedly get back to a, a certain grind size for, for a particular coffee. So, you know, making sure you're, you're pretty familiar with your equipment, I think is, is a big deal. And that for me, every, every single time I ever get a new grinder, I, I kind of always go through that same process of just figuring out, you know, for each brew method and each n- normal batch size that I use, what that grind setting actually looks like. Um, and that's going to be different, like we said on the last episode, for every person and for every grinder. And uh, because not all grinders are created equal and even the same grinder of, of the same exact model in two different people's houses might be very different in, in terms of what setting is best. So, And I will also say one thing, I, I really do apologize if this is annoying to roasters, but one thing that I do like to do also in my process is I'll, and this, sometimes I do this off the bat, sometimes I do it if I'm running into trouble, is I'll see what their recommended brew is or for a specific coffee, you know, what they've been finding. Because it, you know, with um, with some roasters, you might find it's uh, something that's un- unconventional to, like to me, I, I stick to 16 to 1 or 16 and a half to 1 ratios or something. Mm-hmm. But some people, their standard is a 15 to 1 ratio. Right. And uh, aside from thinking about under-extracted and over-extracted coffee, I, I do always want to encourage, you know, to to play around with ratios and variables like that because you you might surprise yourself. The one thing that's nice about a borderline is that, you know, you know that it should be trusty, but also know that you can find some brews that uh, that act completely different. You know, there's there's times where I've done some brews that have been at like 13 to 1 ratios or something with a really high TDS reading that's come out. And it's actually been more enjoyable than some of its other preparations. Nobody's going to know a coffee better, like you say, than the roaster themselves. They they should be the most familiar with that coffee. And so, like you said, you know, getting a chance to reach out to a roaster, I think is a great thing. And, and if a roaster becomes annoyed by that, you know, you're you're a customer doing business with them and that development of a relationship that they that they create with you. We do have to understand though the water thing. Oh, absolutely. How different that, no, that how different that might be and that might cause a, you know, a lot of right uh, difference, so. Yeah, I mean even if they do provide you with a recipe, sometimes there's other variables there like you said the water that uh, that would make it so that you couldn't actually experience the same thing as as the roaster's recommendation. Didn't that happen to you with uh, Kopi? It was or coffee not collective. Kopi. 
it, it was a coffee collective. Yes. So I had their geisha in and I was brewing it a, a bunch and I, I let some time go by and man, I was having such a hard time with it. And I asked them, you know, a little bit of what they do and about their water. And they're like, well, our water is really low too. I, I can't remember if they said it was like 20 PPM or 30 or something, maybe around 40. So I switched and I went and got a bottle of smart water, I think, which is around 22 or 30. It's somewhere in there and night and day difference, mm -hmm. like still doing the same exact thing that I did before, but using a water that better matched what, you know, they're roasting and cupping and drinking with, then it just all the flavors opened up. Right. Yeah. So water, water obviously is a big deal. Okay. So, you know, we talked about grind setting, finding a ratio, a ratio and a recipe that you really trust and know. Um, we talked about reaching out to a roaster. What else is there? I mean, what, what else would you do uh, to, to dial in a coffee besides those three things? Is there, is there anything else that you would even, that you'd even want to do? I don't know. I think at, I think at that point, you know, you've kind of, you've been, you've been through some options. I think, I, I think actually one of the biggest things that you mentioned was being familiar with your equipment. Right. So if you're not, you know, trying to, if you're, if you're not, if we're not talking currently about the water situation, you know, you, you need to have a good understanding about your equipment and what, what changes you're making and how big, of differences those changes might be making with your brew. And like you said too, you did mention a point about not changing too many variables. If you change so many things at once, it's going to be really difficult to figure out what changes are making what impact. Right. So like we said, on the last couple episodes talking about brewing on the AeroPress and pour over, we kind of covered a lot of like the tips and tricks and things that we like to do with brewing on each of those methods. We talked a little bit on this episode about um, kind of a baseline recipe that we like. Um, but honestly, I mean, you can listen to people talk about brewing all day long. Like, I, I love to watch people build things and remodel houses on HGTV. But, you know, unless you actually get outside and grab a hammer and go do it, you're never really going to have the experience with it yourself. Um, so, yeah, we, we definitely encourage people to get out there, try to figure out how to tweak a coffee and, and you know, bend your equipment to your, to your wishes um, and, and try to get the best product that you can out of a coffee and if you're having trouble or you got any questions or anything that you uh, would like to to add to this conversation we'd love to continue talking to you online um, so reach out to us uh, via our website at ibrewmyowncoffee.com there's a contact us link at the top of the page um, reach out to us on instagram or twitter uh, we'd love to either answer a question or connect you with somebody who can answer you a question or you know even just bring up other topics for potential other shows all about uh, getting the most out of a, out of a cup of coffee. Yeah. And I mentioned this on an episode before guys, and just want to encourage it one more time. I, I forgot who exactly was, who said it, but uh, somebody was talking about brewing their coffee at home and that they, they always do two brews of coffee. They do what their normal method is and they change something about it. And then they see which one's better. And if the one they changed was the better cup, then that's their new normal. Right. I'm not necessarily advocating that you're always, always, always changing everything up, but it was always an encouragement to maybe get out of uh, a routine or a regular and maybe see, especially if there is something that you're always kind of questioning about your brew and see if you can always brew it better. Yep. Well, and that's the best part about, you know, the, the internet and social media is there's always people out there to help you uh, kind of give recommendations, give guidance and bounce ideas off of. So uh, reach out and uh, you know let us know if we can ever be of any help to you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it very much. As we said, we have a website, ibrewmyowncoffee.com. 
go on over there. If you haven't yet signed up for the I Brew My Own Coffee recommends service, uh, go to ibrewmyowncoffee.com slash recommends. You can add in all of your info in there and uh, we will be sending you a recommendation for a coffee picked just for you starting next week if you haven't yet signed up. So do that. Um, if you haven't reviewed us on iTunes, we'd I'd absolutely appreciate it if you do that. Thanks everybody again for listening and uh, until next episode, happy dialing in everybody. So long, you dialers. <laughs>